I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2. I'm going to just go ahead and get right into the message. I do appreciate everything, but I appreciate all the good singing already. And I hope we all listen to the words of that last song that we just heard. Amen. I'd say three months ago, when we were limited to just an online service, we had an online revival. Those first couple of times that I got up to preach, I was pointing my finger at everybody in America of why the judgment of God is upon our land. But about a week into that, I'm glad the holy finger of God began to prick my heart. It began to show me what was wrong. And as the psalmist prayed, Oh, search me, O God. And it's not my brother or my sister that's sitting next to me. It's me that's in need of revival. I just, I, I appreciate just, uh, just the Lord meeting with us today and already tonight. I'm going to get right into the message. Revelation chapter number 2, the Bible says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because Thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, again, Lord, we sure do thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Dear God, I thank you, Lord, for... Lord, the song service already tonight, dear God, thank you for the good congregational singing. Lord, I thank you, Lord, the old account was settled long ago. I'm thankful for that. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the Wolfram family and, Lord, just the testimony that backs up the songs that they sang. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the song Miss Emily sang. Lord, thank you for the the, the special uh, choir number, dear God. Thank you for all of that. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've already done in this place today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for allowing the Holy Spirit of God, Lord, to go to the very seat that Chase was sitting in today. And uh, Lord, speak to his heart individually. Thank you for the soul winner that took a Bible and showed him how he could be saved. And Lord, we thank you and we rejoice of his salvation tonight. Lord, I pray for his friend Toa uh, that was with him. If he doesn't know Christ as his Savior, I pray, Lord, that you'd even work on his heart. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for uh, the testimony of the live stream services and how the family, Derek and his family, were here because of the result of those live stream services, dear God. And Lord, I pray, uh, dear God, that you would just continue, Lord, allow them to uh, come to uh, Riverside Baptist Church and Lord, allow this place, 
to be a help to them as they could be a blessing to them as well. But Lord, we come to you for a new service tonight. And Lord, we pray that you would absolutely take over the service. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would do individually, bring conviction individually to the hearts where conviction is needed. I pray that you'd encourage the discourage. I pray, Lord, to lift up the brokenhearted. And dear God, again, we come to you tonight. We pray that if there's anyone lost, we pray that you'd save them by the good grace of God. Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In your precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You'll find here in the book of Revelation that the Lord used John to pen his messages or his message to seven literal churches. The first, of course, being Ephesus. Ephesus was the most prominent church of the seven. This was the mother church out of whose ministry the other six churches were started. Forty years have now passed since this church had been started. Paul and many of the people converted under his ministry were now gone. There was a new atmosphere in the church which the Lord wanted to address through John. He starts off by saying, I know thy works. And can we be reminded tonight, church, the Lord knows everything there is to know about the church and the ones that make up that church. Nothing is hid from God. And when he looked at the church of Ephesus, he was pleased with several things. You'll find the Lord was pleased with their service for him. He said in verse number 2, I know thy works and thy labor. He was pleased with their steadfastness, and he said, thou, how thou canst not bear them, or he says, and thy patience. Uh, he was pleased with their suppression of evil, and he said, and, thy, uh, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Uh, he was pleased with their spiritual discernment. The Bible says that thou hast found them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. He was also pleased with their suffering. He said, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. And those are good attributes that any church should strive to have. It's good, and it's right, and it's commendable for many. And for many, it's just enough to have those attributes. But the church at Ephesus had gotten to the place where they were equating busyness with spirituality. How many Christians have I sat across the table from in recent days with tears streaming down their face and they would admit their busyness for God was peaked out to the mats. But their spirituality and their personal walk with God was at an absolute zero. Can I say tonight, child of God, busyness for God does not equal spirituality. And God gives credit where credit is due, and then he throws in a word that we don't use much in today's language. He said, nevertheless, that word means however. He begins to commend them, and then he says, nevertheless. That word nevertheless can take something that is positive and then make it a negative and vice versa. And God is about to rebuke one of his churches. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 19, and as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. 
Be zealous, therefore, and repent. How many times have I been standing at the back of the church building when folks will leave that Sunday morning and they'll tell me or the pastor, boy, you sure did step on my toes this morning. Can I say we weren't aiming for your toes, but we were aiming for your heart, amen. And can we be reminded tonight, church, the one that tells you the truth is the one that loves you the most, amen. Yes, there was a lot of good things going on in this church, things to be commended for. Ephesus was not like Sardis, having a name but dead. But the good attributes of Ephesus are overshadowed by them leaving their first love. They fell out of love with the Lord. Bible says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You know, sometimes we as God's children, we can get so consumed with our lives and our problems and our issues, and even consumed with the very work of God. And we try to fit God wherever we can in our busy lives. Sometimes in the Christian situation, their spiritual furnace is still there, but the coals no longer have a bright red luster. The Christian, they've lost their love, their honeymoon love for Christ. That same thing can happen to a husband and wife. They can remain faithful to each other, yet lose their first love for each other. I've seen it time and time again. A church member can be uh, regular in attendance and tithing and be active, yet lose their first love, lose their love for God. They become like Martha. They become so occupied with doing for Christ, and they miss becoming like Christ. And the key to this whole passage tonight and the key to individual revival is for the Christian to fall back in love with the one that first loved us. Child of God, uh, duty is good, but duty without the right motivation will always run out of gas. Our, Our love for Christ should be the engine that powers our motivation. And Paul had once commended this church at Ephesus for its love for God and for others. But many of the church founders had died and the second generation of believers have now lost their zeal and their love for God. They were a busy church. The members did much to benefit themselves and the community. But they were acting and their motives were for the wrong reasons. And work for God must be motivated by love for God or it will not last. I've been saved now a little over 20 years and I understand that's not uh, anything compared to some that sit in this room uh, tonight. But I have been saved long enough to realize this, that a child of God, uh, a new Christian, uh, they can live off the excitement of the Christian life for a little while. But my friend, when trials come, and they will come, and when storms come, and they will come, can I tell you, the excitement of the Christian life uh, is not going to get you through the trials and the storms of life, but that love for God, uh, that, that, that walk with God, that dedicated, sincere walk with the Lord will get us through every single time. Just like when a man and woman fall in love and how it was all new and exciting. and we have that honeymoon love, it's also the same way when a new Christian rejoices at their newfound forgiveness. That first love is what Christ desires more than anything else in our lives. I'll never forget when my wife and I, we began dating and then we began to become serious and then I proposed to her. 
That day after I proposed to her, I said, now, Nikita, you've heard bits and pieces of my testimony, but if you want me to, I'll tell you everything and anything you want to know. And I say what my wife says. She says, Chris, she says, I know that you love God more than anything. And if you love God like you love me, I know that you'll love me the way that you should. And she said, from a teenager, I surrender my life to marry a preacher, and I know that you're going to preach or die, and those two things are good enough for me to vow to spend the rest of my life with you. And I'll never forget how after we got married, the day that we got married, our moving truck was on the way to Jacksonville, North Carolina, and that's where we would serve in the ministry there for five years out of the Grace Baptist Church in Jacksonville, North Carolina. That small Bible college that I went to in Mississippi, they uh, they had a singing group that went out, or they had a, about a half a dozen young preachers that went out, and uh, they would help the church. They would be a blessing and a, a gift to the church. And uh, we, we mowed grass, we painted walls, we uh, dug French drains and all those things. And uh, I, I didn't make the singing group, so uh, they drew the, the, the short straw, and I, I got to travel with all the other preachers, amen. And one of those churches that I traveled to was the Grace Baptist Church in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And the dean of students, Brother Stephen Barnes was his name, uh, he was to preach a, a youth rally that Friday night. And the preacher, uh, right before he introduced Brother Barnes, he, uh, all half a dozen of us young preachers were sitting there on the front row, and he could have picked any six of us. But he looked at me and he said, Brother Dallas, uh, he said, uh, uh, why don't you come up here and preach five minutes for us? Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Uh, those messages are long gone, amen, those five-minute messages, amen. And that night I got up and preached on Psalm 84, verse number 10, where David said, I- I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And, and I didn't know this, but God knew this. Uh, that was Brother Robert's life verse. And God kind of knitted our hearts together. And I, I got saved later on in life. And uh, after I got saved, uh, uh, my dad put me on a, a, a Greyhound bus to Joplin, Missouri, to truck driving school USA. And uh, I, I drove tractor trailers all through Bible college. And now that I don't drive tractor trailers on the street of Memphis, I guarantee you the streets of Memphis are a lot safer. Amen. I can promise you that. And uh, I remember after we uh, had that youth rally there in Jacksonville a couple weeks later, I, I was backed up to a tr- truck dock and uh, I was getting my truck loaded and Brother Roberts called me. He said, Brother Dallas, he said, the Lord laid you on my heart to come and preach a revival for me. And I said, well, I've got anything from this Sunday for the next two years wide open. Whatever you want me to do, I, I'll come preach for you, amen. And I, I went and preached a revival for him and when that revival was over, he called me in his office when the revival was ending. And he said, Brother Dallas, he said, I want to do something for you. I want to, I want to be that doorkeeper that helps open up the door uh, for you in the ministry. And I want to give you an opportunity to come out here to Jacksonville. And you'd be the soul winning coordinator and you'd be the bus director and you'd unclog the toilets and whatever need be done around the church house. That would be your responsibility. But you would also, uh, uh, have the liberty to be able to set up revival meetings across the country. And, and my wife and I, uh, we got married and the moving truck was on the way to Jacksonville, North Carolina. And I'll never forget the excitement that I had that day, uh, Brother Roberts, when I got there a couple weeks later, he handed me a list of 10 preachers. And uh, he said, Brother Dallas, he said, I've already called all 10 of these preachers on your behalf. And uh, I asked them if they'd give you as a young evangelist a chance to come and preach in those meetings. And the, 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 the man that was on the very top of that list was Brother J.D. Weedo of the Bible Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas. And, and next month, uh, I'll preach for the 13th year in a row uh, for Brother, uh, Brother Weedo there at Bible Baptist Church. And I remember that day that I went home and uh, uh, tears were streaming down my face and tears were streaming down Nikita's face and the excitement that we had that God would actually answer a prayer for us to use us in the ministry of evangelism. As I was preparing this message just the other day, I was on a flight 
And I remember the very first ministry prayer request that her and I had, that prayer request was a printer to send out confirmation letters to preachers for scheduled meetings and to be able to print off MapQuest directions from, uh, from meeting to meeting. And my faith wasn't big enough for a GPS. I was just praying for a printer to print out MapQuest uh, directions and how God answered that prayer. Can I say, we didn't know what GoFundMe was, but we did know what it was to go tell God on the mountain, amen? And we sure knew what it was to get on our knees and go to God in prayer. And my wife and I have been able to see and be able to do and be able to experience the goodness of God and the blessings of God that were far beyond our imagination. And our, and our love for each other is more now than our love was for each other was on June the 16th, 2007. But can I ask you tonight, what if I went to Nikita tonight and said, Nikita, I'm going to keep on providing a roof over your head, and security that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to keep on cutting the grass in the summer and scraping the ice off the windshield for you in the winter when I'm home. And on Thursdays after you work at the college all day and go soul winning afterwards, I'll still have supper ready for you or I'll take you out to a restaurant. And I'll keep on doing the work that I've been doing, but I just want you to know something. I don't have time to spend with you. And I don't have time to talk to you. And I'm too busy to listen to what you have to say or how your day went. And you would say, Brother Dallas, that's crazy. That's foolish. That's asinine. And I would agree with you. But I wonder tonight how the Lord feels about His children who are so busy about His work, but too busy for Him and in heaven tonight, his heart is breaking. And he's saying, I appreciate your work and your labor to visit that bus route. I commend you for singing in the choir and using your talent for God. I commend you for standing in the gap and teaching that Sunday school class and helping with the kids in the nursery and uh, 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 playing the instruments and banging in the floors and putting money in the offering plate. I appreciate all your work and all your labor for me, but can't you just take a little time with me? Can't you just spend a little time with me? Can't you just commune with me a little while? Oh, I know you're busy and I know you're working hard. But I never meant for you to wake up when the alarm clock goes off and rush out the door and never spend time with me in my word or at the throne of grace. Don't you remember my love for you, he says? I loved you enough to die on the cross of Calvary for your sins. Don't you remember all those times temptation came into your life and I used my power to get you to resist that temptation? Lord says, don't you remember that time you came to church as a hell-bound sinner, caring nothing about God or the things of God, but I used the preaching of my word to melt the ice on your heart and told the Holy Spirit to convict you and show you the need of salvation. Now you're saved, sanctified, and set apart for the Master's use. He says to us, all I've ever loved was you. And all I've ever wanted to do is spend time with you and walk with you and talk with you along life's narrow way. Child of God, can I say tonight, I don't ever want to get so busy with the work of God that I forget about the God of the work. I don't ever want the newness of my love for the Lord to ever wear off. Can I say the work of God is busy? But one preacher said to me, too busy 
in the work of God, to commune with God, is to begin on the highway of backsliding and complacency. God's work is busy. Can I say I'm thankful for the work of God? I'm thankful for the busyness of God, but none of that even compares to the time that I was able to spend with God in that motel room this morning and open up His love letter to me. And as it began to speak to me, and as I began to go to the throne of grace, can I tell you tonight, I'll tell you why I've got fire in my bones and zeal in my heart to serve God. It's because I'm in love with my Savior, but thank God He's in love with me. Amen. And I ask you tonight, child of God, has the newness wore off in your life? There's a few things that I've seen over the years. Can I say tonight, transparently, it's even happened in my own life, being saved by the grace of God. What happens when the newness wears off? Can I say, first of all, when the newness wears off, the Savior is not as preeminent. How long has it been, child of God, since the Lord was number one in your life? How long has it been since you gave Him the preeminence that He deserves? I teach a class back home called Walking with God. And I let my students know in that class that every night that I go to bed, I set an alarm clock. That alarm clock going off, it doesn't signify for me to check the bank account. It doesn't signify for me to check the emails. That alarm clock going off this morning did not signify for me to check the social media status. That alarm clock going off this morning was just telling me that I, as God's creation, get to spend one more day with my Creator. Amen. Can we be reminded this morning our God is not some spare tire that we keep locked up in a trunk when we have a flat tire in this life. Our God is a jealous God. And he deserves to be number one in our life. Sir, ma'am, can we be reminded this morning or that tonight, amen, I'm still taking my Sunday afternoon nap, but anyway, can we be reminded tonight the reason that we had the capability of getting out of bed this morning was because of the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. And the reason we were able to get out of that bed and go into a restroom with running water and take a shower is because of the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. And the reason we were able to get out of that shower and go to a closet and put clothes on our back and shoes on our feet was because of the grace and mercy of an almighty God. And the reason that we were able to go into a kitchen and pull food out of the refrigerator, cook it on the stove, and sit at a table and eat that food was because of the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. And the reason we were able to get in a car that had good tires and gas in the vehicle was because of the grace and mercy of an almighty God. And the reason we were able to come to Riverside Baptist Church and there wasn't guards outside preventing us from coming inside the house of God was because of the grace and the mercy of an almighty God and our God in heaven has not taken his mind off of us for one second but yet you and I will just put that Bible to the side we won't even access the throne of grace we won't even fulfill God's main desire for every single one of us and that desire is to walk with us you understand, when Adam sinned in the garden, the Bible says they hid themselves, him and Eve hid themselves, and God came in the cool of the day to walk with his creation. 
And he asked that three-word question. He said, where art thou? And it wasn't that God did not know the answer. God knew the answer. He wanted to make sure that Adam and Eve knew the answer. And I believe with all my heart tonight, the God of heaven is asking sinful man the same question. 6,000 years later, where art thou? Where art thou when it comes to reading that book? Where art thou when it comes to having a sincere prayer life? Where art thou when it comes to dying to the flesh and being led by the Spirit of God that lives inside of us? Where art thou when it comes to not being so much concerned about happiness as we are holiness? Where art thou? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 18, and he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, for the firstborn from the dead, that in all things that he might have the preeminence. I read a book not long ago, and it was titled, Seek You First the Kingdom of God. And the author said, every other task of the day should be set aside until this one task is cared for for the day. The Savior is not as preeminent when the newness wears off. I'll tell you something else that happens when the newness wears off. The scriptures are not as precious. The scriptures are not as precious. You remember when the Bible was precious? You remember, child of God, when you first came across a truth in the Bible that you saw for the first time and how you got so overwhelmed in the goodness of God? I'll never forget that day that I got saved in August of 1998. And the, uh, the, the, the soul winner took me on a journey. That journey is what we call the Romans road of salvation. And, and, and he came to that very last verse, Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. He said, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, now Chris, I, I'm not trying to change the word of God. He said, but let's just take that word whosoever out for just a moment. And let's put your name in his spot. For if Chris Dallas calls upon God right now, he'll save you right here, right now. And I remember how overwhelmed I was that God would save a sinner like like me, uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I was preaching in Indiana for Brother Jerry Ross, and I was preaching all day Sunday for him, and uh, about a week before I got there, his son-in-law, uh, Gerald Claney, that was about 30 minutes away from him, he called me, he said, Brother Dallas, he said, if I were to put together a special Sunday afternoon service, he said, would you come over and give your life story to my church on that Sunday afternoon? Brother Ross had already asked me to give it that night and two times there that day I turned my Bible to my life verse Romans chapter 10 verse number 13 it says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and I say over 20 years later being saved by the good grace of God I'm still overwhelmed that God would save a sinner like me. I'll never forget the first time I came across that truth of John chapter 10 verse number 28 that says that I talking about Jesus Give unto them, talking about those that have been saved, eternal life, and they shall never pluck them out of my hand. I'll never forget when I heard a preacher say that there's not an eraser this side of eternity that ever can, that can ever take our name out of the Lamb's book of life. I'll never forget when it became personal to me, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 6, that says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, 
And when thou hast shut thy door, pray thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. I'll never forget when it became a personal promise of mine. My friend, can I ask you tonight, is this Bible still as precious to you as it was the day that you got saved by the grace of God? I believe with all my heart tonight, that Bible that I preach, that Bible that you hold in your hand tonight, the, the same Bible that had power to bring conviction upon our lost soul and save us by the grace of God is the same Bible that has power to do everything else in our life that it needs to do. I believe that Bible right there lived. I, I believe with all my heart that it'll keep you singing Amazing Grace not only on Sunday but Monday through Saturdays as well. I believe that Bible right there allowed men to be the husbands that they ought to be and women to be the wives that they ought to be. I believe that Bible right there can keep a smile on your face the world can erase. Thank God this Bible can bring revival to you and to me tonight. Amen. Is the, are the scriptures just as precious to you as they've ever been? Can I ask you tonight, child of God, has the newness wore off? I'll tell you what happens when the newness wears off. The Savior is not as preeminent. The Scriptures are not as precious. I'll tell you something else that happens. The songs are not as personal. The songs are not as personal. I'll never forget the first time I heard victory in Jesus. I'll never forget the first time I heard there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Can I say we, we sometimes we limit it to the, just the young people on the bus routes, but it still speaks to my heart. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I still like that old song that says, Oh no, the old story will never grow old. I'm not going to sing it for you. People ask me all the time, Brother Dallas, do you sing specials? I promise you if I sang it, it would be a special. Amen. I promise you that. I still like that old song, though. Oh no, the old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh no, the old story will never grow old. That story will never grow old. I went to the church one lonely night. I sat way back for my soul was not right. The preacher was preaching how Jesus died for a sin-filled world. He gave up his life. I went to the altar and knelt down in prayer. I cried, Lord, have mercy. And he pardoned me there. I still like that old song, the drunk on the street, the rich in the palaces, the poor and unlearned and the men of degree. They all have a soul in need of salvation and they all have to come by Calvary. And I'm so glad God saves those sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed how he sets them free. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners is that he could save an old sinner like me. Can I ask you tonight, Christian? Oh, you're saved by the grace of God. You're busy for the God of heaven. But when's the last time you came to a church service and the song leader opened up his song book and said, let's sing page so-and-so. And the tears began to flow like they used to. And your heartstrings were being pulled on like they used to. Can I tell you tonight, God hasn't changed. It's you and I that changes tonight. I'll tell you something else that happens when the newness wears off. Soul winning is not a priority. Soul winning is not a priority. God's desire for you and I is to walk with us. He wants to walk with us and talk with us along life's narrow way. 
You say, well, Brother Dallas, I thought God's desire for me was to tell all sinners about the Lord. Can I tell you tonight, our witness for God will always be a reflection of our walk with God. And when the Lord was calling out His disciples and He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, you understand they could not follow the Lord unless they were walking alongside the Lord. And our walk with God will always, our witness for God will always be a reflection of our walk with God. As I think about my Savior, when He walked the earth, He had the ability and the power just to say a word or snap His finger and to save and heal people, but He didn't do that. The Bible says that He had compassion on them. He walked amongst sinners and was burdened for their eternity. I'm glad that night that I got saved by the grace of God. Uh, that man that won me to the Lord, Brother Albright, I, I'm glad that he, he wasn't looking at me as a, as a feather in his cap or a, a, to win some soul winning award or to put some certificate on his wall. I'm glad that he saw me as a lost sinner destined to that place called hell and he was burdened that I get saved by the good grace of God. And my friend, can I ask us tonight, has the newness wore off? Did you used to be a soul winner? Did you used to work on the bus routes? I understand those things are stopped right now, but can I ask you tonight, have you been sitting on the sideline too long for God? Let the newness come back tonight. God's love for us has never changed. Let's fall back in love with the Lord tonight. Amen. Number five, I'll tell you something else that happens when the newness wears off. Sin is not as putrid when our love for the Lord is not what it used to be. You remember when you first got saved? And having the Holy Spirit indwell you was all new. As He began to mold us and make us into the image of God. And how, how we began to desire holy and clean living. And little by little, our attitude and our atmosphere and our acquaintances began to change. And all of a sudden, cussing wasn't a part of our vocabulary anymore. And the filth of Hollywood wasn't allowed in our home anymore because we began to see the truth of God's Word as we read the Bible and we had a sincere time with Him in a prayer closet. But the newness wears off and the fellowship with God is not as priority as it once was. And now sin is not as exceeding sinful in our eyes as it once was. And, and now uh, when, when the newness wears off, you don't turn the television off uh, when a cuss word comes across the screen. And, and now uh, even those of us that are saved by the grace of God sit in churches like this. They allow Hollywood to babysit their children as they promote their homosexual agenda and rebellious teenagers running the home instead of the parents. And modesty in clothing is not as premier as it once was. And can I say tonight, Riverside Baptist Church, everyone sitting in this room tonight that wants to be right and clean and holy with God, we would all admit tonight that there's no way in the world that we can be right and clean and holy with God and watch some primetime television show out of Hollywood tonight. Can I tell you tonight, commercials of today would have been full-blown porn back in the 50s and 60s. You say, well, Brother Dallas, we're not living in the 50s and 60s. But my friend, what was an abomination in those days is still an abomination today. It's still sin in the eyes of God. Can I ask you? Is revival in your mind just setting Sunday through Friday aside on your calendar? And then when Friday night's over, 
we can say revival's over in our life. I don't want that to be the way of my life. You can live and continue revival, child of God. We can point our finger tonight at the way America is tonight. We can point our finger at the homosexual crowd. We can point our finger at the dope crowd. We can point our finger at all the politicians in Washington. And all of those crowds are problems in America tonight. But the true problem in America are those of us that sit in Baptist churches like this. We forgot what it is to hate sin and Satan and love the Lord in righteousness. And until God's people get holy, get right with God, our holy triune God, we'll never see revival in America. First of all, tonight, when the newness wears off, the Savior is not as preeminent. Scriptures are not as precious. Psalms are not as personal. Soul winning is not a priority. Sin is not as putrid. And lastly tonight, when the newness wears off, the services are not as principled. Can I make a very generic statement tonight? I love church. I love the singing. I love the fellowship. I love the preaching of God's Word. I love to see God work during the invitation. I love telling other people about my church and about my preacher. I like getting to church early and getting a good seat and shaking hands with the family of God and visitors. I, I love giving my offering and investing in the work of God and thinking maybe some of my tithe will go to put gas in a bus uh, in, in a bus to pick up some child that'll come to church and hear the gospel. Uh, I've heard this statement uh, in recent days. Uh, going to church for me is a Saturday night decision. That, that's what's wrong tonight with America. My friend, church does not need to be a Saturday night decision. It just needs to be a principle of our life and Saturday I'm going to be at the house of God when I should be at the house of God. Services are not as principal. Can I ask you tonight, child of God, has the newness wore off? Have some of the truths that I brought out tonight, these seven truths, has the Savior lost his preeminence? Has the scripture, are the scriptures not as precious? Are the songs not as personal? Is soul winning not a priority? Is sin not as putrid? Are the services not as principal? The Lord gives us the ingredients tonight to, to come back to our first love tonight. He tells us in, in these verses, in verse number 5, 6, and 7, He says to remember, He says to repent, He says to return, and then He says there needs to be a removal. You understand whatever took, whatever took you away from that love, take that out of your life and come back to your first love. Come back to the Lord. Amen. Can I ask you, child of God, can I ask myself tonight, Do you have that place in your mind right here, right now, tonight that you're going to meet with God in the morning? I'm talking about the one that allows our very heart to beat and our brain to function tonight. Do you have your mind made up that I'm going to walk with the Lord tonight? I'll never forget, I was able to lead my dad to the Lord a few years ago about four years ago, I was able to lead my daddy to the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. And I, before then and even after then, I've always been close to my daddy, especially, especially since I got saved. I've been very close to my dad. I talk to my mom just about on a daily basis, and my dad I talk to about three or four times a week. And a few years ago, 
the schedule was just so busy and we were just, uh, we were just running and gunning up the highways and going from church to church and preaching revivals. And there was one span where I preached about 35 days straight, sometimes two times a day, and just, just running and gunning. Brother Marshall knows exactly what I'm talking about. Just, just busy, busy, busy for the Lord. And there was about three months span that went by where I didn't call my dad and I didn't check in on him and see how he was doing. And that was unusual because I'd call my dad about three or four times a week. In about three months of that, I remember Nikita and I, we were following a pastor. We were going to go get a bite to eat before church that night. And as we pulled in the parking lot of the restaurant, my phone rang and I looked at the phone and it said dad on the screen and I just hit that button on the side and I just ignored my dad's call. I left the phone in the vehicle and I went inside to eat with the preacher, Nikita and I, with he and his wife and Boy, we fellowshiped and we had some laughs and we just had a good time eating a meal before church. And I got back to my vehicle to go to the church after supper that night and I looked at my phone and I had a voicemail and it was a voicemail from my dad. And my dad said this on the voicemail. He said, hey Chris, this is daddy. He said, I hadn't heard from you in about three months. I just wanted to make sure you still know that I'm alive. I sure would like to hear from you if you get a chance. I sure would appreciate it if you'd call me. I wonder tonight, is God looking down at some of His children tonight? said, I saw you in church July the 12th, 2020. Why? I I appreciate you putting the money in the offering plate. I appreciate you showing up and banking the floors and cutting the grass and showing up for work days. I I appreciate all your labor. But I hadn't heard from you in some time. I haven't seen you open up my word and let my word direct your paths. I haven't seen you kneel the knee and spend time with me in prayer. Oh, I understand everything's been clicking along okay in your own efforts and your own energy and your own ambitions. But aren't you, don't you understand, he says, I'm the one that gave you life? Don't you understand I'm the one that allows your heart to beat and your brain to function? Don't you understand that I'm in control of all seven and a half billion people that are on planet Earth? That even though I'm in control of all seven and a half billion, he says, I want to spend one-on-one time with you and with you and with you. I guarantee you tonight, if even half this crowd that is under the sound of my voice would find out what it is to dedicate themselves and daily walk with the Lord, my friend, not only would you experience revival, but I guarantee you it'll be a revival that this church has never seen before. God needs His children. God desires for His children to walk with Him and talk with Him along life's narrow way. As the newness wore off, you remember when you first got saved? You remember how excited you were to be at church? I, I, I remember when I first got saved, I'd burned all those bridges of those old friends that I had. I didn't have any friends. 
And I remember, man, I'd show up to things that I wasn't even invited for. Man, I just, I would just show up for work days. I'd show up to, I, I'd show up to work on bus routes and Sunday school class. I just wanted to be a part of the work of God, and I just to think that God loved me enough to save me by the grace of God. But not only does He love me enough to save me, but He allows me to be able to be used by Him. And child of God, I guarantee you tonight, the gas and the excitement of the Christian life. One day, that excitement will wear off. When the storms come and the trials come, those, that excitement's not going to get you through the storms and through the trials. But that dedicated, sincere walk with the Lord, it'll get us through every single time. Let's stand all across the building tonight. Let's stand all across the building tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight as the instrumentalists come to play tonight. I'm not going to ask a bunch of questions and make you raise your hand tonight. But I guarantee you tonight we could all say that every single one of us could have a more sincere, dedicated walk with the Lord. We could all be closer to the Lord than we, than we are. Maybe there's some at the altar tonight that you struggle in this area of walking with the Lord. Maybe it's been a while since you've read your Bible consistently. Maybe it's been a while since you've experience your own answered prayer in your life. And I say he's still answering prayer. God knows what we're even what we're in need of before we even ask. He just wants us to ask. As they begin to play, won't you come tonight? I'd encourage you if you're here tonight, you're lost. You don't know the Lord is your Savior. I'd encourage you to let one of these men take a Bible, one of these ladies take a Bible and show you how you can be saved by the grace of God.